Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. started. Do you guys know at our wedding, you guys don't know this, but I'm about to tell you. <laughs> you <laughs> Start know? off a question, do you know? Um, at our wedding, we, um, our ending song, like you get married, I do, I do, kiss, 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 kiss. Awesome. We walked back down the aisle to a Lauren Hill song. Mm. So good. You're just too good to be true. Yep. Can't take my eyes off you. <laughs> you look like heaven to touch. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't take myself seriously. I want to hold you so much. You know, it's easy to be married to this woman, but... Um, but? But when but? I try to be serious and, like, romantic, she just starts laughing at me. Oh, guys, I'm so sorry. I'm I used sorry. To, I used I'm to write sorry. her, like, poetry and letters and stuff, and, and then I felt, felt like a... I never laughed wasn't at her poetry. love language, Which it wasn't. <laughs> it's not her love language. Sometimes, guys, you got to figure out what the love language is before you can find fulfillment in how you're trying to take care of your spouse. And uh, that's not, that's free. That's free. Write that down. And we're, we're done. right along. Okay. <laughs> hey, we're going to be, it's going to be awesome today. Relation tips. Yes. Uh, today, we're, we're hitting some questions that deal with dating, with marriage, with sex. Um, yep, you can talk about that in church. As a matter of fact, there's a whole lot of stuff we see going on in our world around us that's that's struggling because the church doesn't talk about it. Right. And uh, so buckle your seatbelts, and uh, it's PG-13. We'll be good. It'll be all right. PG-13. PG-13-ish, and uh, modern-day PG-13. And it's going to be just PG-13 fine. PG-13 nowadays, though, guys, right? I remember, I remember back in the day, like, PG-13 back in the day was, like, borderline Disney. And um, Oh, you mean Disney now. I don't know. I'm confused now. Anyway, all right. Let me pray. Let me pray for you. So here's the deal. I'm really hoping today, guys, that uh, I want you to I want you to take notes. Uh, say, guys, that's me talking to everybody. Uh, I want you to take notes, whether it's on your phone. Uh, you can pop open your notes app or whatever it is. Take notes. Um, Kara's going to give some more context here in just a moment because we realize that what we're going to be talking about today is not just like, oh, it's no big deal to talk about. Like it's serious. And, uh, and it can seem heavy, but we'll, we'll get into that in a moment. So our prayer today is that your heart would be open, that your mind receptive. Today is going to be about growth. Today is going to be about having a better understanding of how God made certain things uh, to be of, of benefit. And uh, we're going to get into that. Is that okay? All right, let me pray for you. Father, we love you, and we just pray that in this moment, God, we thank you, Lord, that, that in your house and in a relationship with you, God, it's safe. Father, we thank you that... Uh, that you, you don't come to condemn, you don't come to judge, you come to bring life. Right. You come to even open up our, our eyes to see how, how you've created things to operate, Father, uh, so that we can live the best life that you created us to live. So, Father, help our hearts to be sensitive today. We thank you for your word, and we ask that you would just uh, open it up to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we started this. This is our third week in this series. Um, how many of you guys have been enjoying it? Have no. you guys been enjoying it? Um, gosh, this is the first time we've ever, um, team taught slash preached. Um, it is right. The first time. Um, and every week I'm like, can we be done now? (laughs) 
Um, and he's like, no, we're not done yet. So um, I just, I want to give a little recap of what we started off. Two weeks ago, we started off um, talking about ourselves because in any good relationship that we have, it always begins in me. Um, yeah. Not that other people don't have other factors going on, but um, we, our goal for this from the very beginning was to um, lead people to um, have continually, more continual, healthy relationships right. um, and purposeful, Christ-centered relationships. And that was, that, that's the main thing, Christ-centered. Matthew 6.33 um, says, seek first. Um, <laughs> Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. And so that has been the basis of what we have um, built this entire series around, is seeking first the kingdom of God, making that Christ-centered, um, making that relationship with Jesus at the very core of who you are. It has to be Christ-centered for your relationships to thrive outside of that. Does that make sense? Um, and, and we talked about some basics. There's some, some very basic things in, in the life of a, um, a Jesus follower, in the life of a Christian that, um, that we talked about. And so the first one being faith, like faith in Jesus um, and a relationship with him. And that was the first one. The second one is unshakable belief in the word of God. Um, and not just unshakable belief, but focused on living it out. And so in, in order to have unshakable belief in the word of God, you actually have to be in the word of God, right? You actually have to be, um, ha let it be a consistent thing in your life in order to have unshakable faith in that. Um, Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. And I'm telling you, anything, anything that you, you need help with, um, clarity on, um, there's, this word is, it's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It will guide you. In the Passion Translation, that same verse says, truth's shining light guides me in my choices and decisions. The revelation of your word makes my pathway clear. Um, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says all scripture, and guys, when it says all scripture, all scripture. And I think some, sometimes we like to pick and choose what we like to um, embrace, if you will, because it's not all easy to follow. It's not all easy to live out, but all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip us for every good work. So good. Um, I love that verse so much. Um, and the third, the third basic thing that we hit on was knowing that God created you um, created your life with specific purpose. And if your life has specific purpose, don't you think that all the relationships in your life should also be connected to that specific purpose, Amen. right? Amen. Um, your purpose must guide your relationships or your relationships will guide you away from your purpose. And that was, that was one of the big things that we hit on. Um, when you are Christ-centered in your life, relationships should complement you. Things in your life that God brings in your life should complement you. They will never complete you. Right. Um, a spouse will complement you, won't complete you. That's good. Um, a career will not, will not complete you. It will complement you. Um, friendships, having children, um, status, things, possessions, they will never complete you. Only Jesus and Jesus at the center of who you are will complete you.
And it has to be intentional, right? It does have to be it's intentional. It's my pass off. Yep. It does have to be <laughs> intentional. Um, I mean, we all, it's not necessarily rocket science. We all know that uh, relationships are going to happen. So they're either going to happen because of your intentionality or they're going to happen because you were unintentionally unintentional. Does that make sense? And so you're going to be in a, in, around people, whether it's work, whether it's family, whether it's just people that you do life with. So either you can be intentional about that and it's connected to your purpose as a, Christ, a Jesus follower, or it will be, as Kara was saying, your relationships can guide you away from your purpose. So that leads us to our, our, our first, first question. question. Um, for, the, for today. Um, we have two questions today. We're going we're gonna to probably fly through this first one a little bit just because the second one is, is um, important. They, they're both important. <laughs> so They work so, together. They work together, yes. What does it mean to be equally or unequally yoked in a relationship? Good question. That's a good question, It babe. is a good question. Thank you for asking that question. And whoever, whoever asked that question, thank you. It's very good. And so, and the reason that we're... we're not going to spend most of our time on this isn't because it's, it's not important. It's actually very, very, it's vital, but it sets, it kind of sets the tone for what we're going to get to in the second question that we hit. Um, our, our, our individual purpose has to start with living a Christ-centered life where we walk that out. Matthew six thirty three. we just talked about that, seeking the kingdom of God first, passionately pursuing Jesus in your daily life. And so this is, this is not the same as saying like, yeah, I'm a Christian just because I believe in God. The Bible actually says that Satan and the demons believe in God that doesn't make them a Jesus follower anybody and so it's more it's more than just believing in God it's having a relationship with him it's following after Jesus so here's here's kind of there there are many places throughout scripture old testament and new testament where it can talk about the details of relationships and the benefits of being in relationships with those who are following after God and the kind of the, the pitfalls and the challenges of being in relationships with people that are not just a kind of uh in the middle, not sure, but people that are walking in the opposite direction. Uh, but there's one primary passage that I think really, really lays this out. And again, we're going to be talking about this more in the context of, of dating, like when it comes to, hey, I, I want to I be married. I want to find that person that's going to, you know, I want to live the rest of my life with them. We want to do life together. We want to make a family. And uh, so in that, that's the primary context of what we're talking about here. Uh, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. And, uh, and so that's, as that's up on the screen, I'll leave that there for a second. But I want to give you a little bit of a, of a picture. You know, the, the, the scripture here where it's, it, or in, mm, let me make some words here. <laughs> wow, that breath mint was stronger than I thought it was going to be. Okay, uh, where it talks about unequally yoked. That's not terminology that we would use necessarily in our culture. Uh, but you have to understand that in Bible times, it was a very, very much an agricultural type of, of uh, community, of the way that they did life. And so when they talk about being yoked together, have, has anyone ever been to uh, like, a, like an older, you know, town or something like that where, you know, they, they kind of decorate everything with old stuff from farming days? Anyway, like ever, ever been to a Cracker Barrel? Anybody? Okay, yeah, so the, a yoke is what they would put around a, a farm animal so that they could, uh, so they could, you know, that animal could pull a plow or pull something like that. So, um, but when you were uh, using, plowing larger fields, they usually needed more than one animal to get the job done. Otherwise, it would just take forever. So they would yoke together, in biblical times, they would yoke together two oxen, and they would put a double yoke on that oxen so that they could walk together and they could plow even lines. They could do it in a way that it was supposed to be done. And so they used that same, that same mental picture, that same imagery 
uh, of if you were to partner together, and I was looking it up, I was like, like a smaller one or a bigger one? Is that what we're working on? And they said, no, unequally yoked was actually they would take, if they didn't have another oxen, they would take a donkey. So they would take a donkey and they would put it with an ox and they would yoke the two together and it was a challenging situation <laughs> because a donkey is not made the way that an oxen is made. A donkey has a different temperament, a different purpose, uh, a different ability. Uh, an oxen typically is, is bred and trained with like a focus and just strength to pull and to do the work uh, where if you know anything about donkeys, they can be a bit of a, uh, a donkey and so they can... Sorry, I had to do that at least once. At least once I had to. Um, and so they're a little more stubborn. Sometimes they go when they don't want, when you don't want them to go. Sometimes when you want them to go, they don't go. And so it paints this picture of trying to accomplish something with somebody else, but you're not equally matched up. Therefore, you will not be able to go in the same direction. And so if you even attempt to go into the same direction, one is going to pull the other off track from the path where they're trying to go. All right, so here's, here's where that comes from in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. It says, don't become partners with those who reject God. How can you make partnership out of right and wrong? That's not partnership, that's war. Is light best friends with the dark? Does Christ go strolling with the devil? Do, do trust and mistrust hold hands? Would, um, who would think of setting up pagan idols in God's holy temple? But that's exactly uh, what we are, each of us, a temple in whom God lives. So uh, God put it this way, I'll live in them, move in them, and, they'll, and I'll be their God, and they'll be my people. So leave the corruption and compromise. Leave it for good, God says. Don't link up with those who will pollute you. I want you all for myself. I will be a father to you, and you will be sons and daughters to me. And that is such a powerful imagery about the type of people. If we're looking at dating and wanting to become, get married and wanting to build a life together, you want to be with people that you aren't taking on as a project. Well, they're, you know, they, we got a lot in common, but I can fix them, and then we'll be, you don't want to go down that road. Right. Because it's not, first of all, it's not impossible, but it's not as easy as you think it's going to be. Especially, you don't want to get into a marriage situation where your initial goal is to begin to change and tra uh, transform that person to get them to be what you hope that they will be, only to get years down the road and find out that we're actually not going in the same direction at all. Anyway, yeah. Oh, is that, I have one more part here. Yep. Have, <laughs> and it's a quote, too, and I thought it was good. Your <laughs> My bad. <laughs> This is why a lot of people don't team teach, but I think Ooh. we're pretty good at it, anybody? Uh, your pursuit of God, listen, your pursuit of God has to precede your pursuit of a spouse. It has to precede your pursuit of a boyfriend or a girlfriend. If you get this out of order, the entire relationship right. will be out of balance. Right. The entire thing. So there's a, put this, uh, the pyramid thing up behind me. Check this out, guys. If uh, There's a little bit of a graphic that we put together uh, that, that paints a picture of, can you see that through me or through the... Anyway, you can see it. So this is something that we've, we've done youth ministry for years, and a lot of times when you're doing youth ministry, you know, that's, the, that's the, the time where teenagers start to realize, wow, he's cute, she's cute, wow, he doesn't smell as bad as he used to smell, and all these type of things. And uh, can we go together? It's like, where are you going? Well, nowhere, we're just going to, can we, you know, what can we, how far is too far? So that's youth ministry in a nutshell. And so you end up having this conversation. So for years, we have tried our best to, uh, this, is, this is our story, and I believe it's not just unique to us. I believe that this pyramid behind me, it's not a scheme, a pyramid scheme. Uh, it's actually something that I believe that if, if you are on that side, see on that side says you, and on the other side it says me, that's not both me, that's both of us. If you are pursuing after God, listen, 
If you are seeking first the kingdom of God, if you are desperate about your relationship with God and you are not trying to fill the voids in your own life with different relationships, but you're allowing God to fill the void inside of you with a relationship with him, the time will come where the person that God has established for you, and I know we, well, you mean there's only one person? Don't even, don't even waste your energy arguing or trying to figure that out. Just give yourself wholeheartedly to the Lord because eventually you're gonna get to the point where the person that God is wanting to hook you up with is gonna be doing the exact same pursuit. So good. So it's better for you to meet Amen. that person while you're in pursuit of God yep. than to meet that person in pursuit of the opposite of that and then try to spend the rest of your life fixing what you put together at the wrong time, the wrong place. And yes, God is a restorer. He can redeem things. He can fix. He can heal. He can make a beautiful God-honoring marriage out of what the enemy used to destroy. But if you have the opportunity now, if you're dating or you're looking to date or you're single, you have the opportunity to do it right from the beginning instead of having to play catch-up. And all the married people said amen Amen to that. Okay, That was good. Um, Thank you. Second, sec- that leads us to the, this next part. Yes. Um, Do you want me to ask a question? Oh. And then, because you got, hey. no, no, you got, you want to lead nope. into it. You go ahead. Okay, so here's the next question. In an overwhelmingly popular hookup culture, what is a godly way to go about dating? So, first, let's define hookup culture. True. That can be. I, it could. I mean, it could be anything. We are a multi-generational church. So hookup culture here is speaking to the common practice now in this day and age. But I feel like it's been happening a lot forever. Just has more terminology. Has more terminology now. Um, common practice of people dating and engaging in sex or sexual intimacy with no initial intent of commitment or marriage. It's just friends with benefits or dating for the sake of the hookup and no intention or desire for commitment, or just a mentality that sex and sexuality is not a big deal, but a normal part of testing attraction and or chemistry. So here's where, here we go, guys. Um, Now, from the, from the get-go of this, I just, we, we want to be clear that um, the heart and intention behind this is not at all to bring shame, condemnation, um, um, guilt, anger, any of that, any of that at all, but rather to say that there's a way that God intended it. There's a way that God intended it because there is a reason. There is a way that he intended it so that we could avoid the baggage and the pain that um, living not the standards of God can bring. Um, and so as, as, I was, as I was preparing for this, um, you know, this, this is a heavy topic. This is a heavy thing because our culture nowadays says, if it feels right, do it, right? If it feels good, do it. Um, there's no, our, our culture has taken boundaries off the table. Our culture has said, um, no, I need to test drive this before just to make sure it's okay. And please hear me, there's no, no shame, no conviction in this room whatsoever. Um, but when, when, I, when I come across something in the word of God that talks about, hey, I don't want you to do this. I don't want you to do this with your life. I'm a why person. And so I ask God, why? 
Like, why, God? I need to understand why this standard is, is a standard that we are supposed to live by. And um, because God created us very intentionally, very specifically. He knows how our brains work. He knows how our bodies work. And he created them that way because sex inside the confines of marriage is supposed to be a very beautiful thing. It is supposed to be wonderful, but our culture has screwed it up. Um, the enemy has taken what was supposed to be a beautiful thing and has twisted it into this thing that has gotten nasty and has gotten unmentionable or very mentionable, our culture is so saturated with sensuality, right? And this beautiful thing that God created for um, a very special emotional, spiritual, physical bond between a husband and a wife has been twisted. And we are here to set the record straight. We're going to call the enemy out. We're going to call him on the table and say, no, no, this is what the word of God says. And this is what we are going to, we are going to call it out as a standard for how we need to live our lives. Amen. And so the why behind this, you know, we can research all day long. I mean, Google anything, but, um, the way that God created our brains, um, during sex, there is a neurochemical, um, change that happens in the brain, in the limbic system that these are such technical words. <laughs> um, but they enhance emotional bonding, whether you want it to or not. And so that takes the myth, or that takes the lie, as you will, the lie out of saying that it's just casual sex. It will never, can never be casual because your brain does something. This is the way God created you. God created your brain to create that emotional bond with the person that you are engaging in sex with. And so that... Um, it's, it's, it's chemical, it's yeah. real, and it creates that bond. There, it's a, sex is a tri-dimensional experience, if you will. It's body, soul, and spirit. And so when you engage in sex with somebody, it's never casual. It is a physical thing with body. It is a soul thing. Your mind, your will, and your emotions are all engaged, and your brain is doing things, and it's creating dopamine in your brain, and it's causing this chemical thing um, to to want you to crave more. And, and that's the way God created it. That's right. And I think that's, that's the why. That is the why. That is why the standards of God um, are laid out in the Bible for us to see and to, and, to and to try to walk out in our lives. I'm not saying it's easy. I know very few people that haven't struggled in this area. I know very few people. But of those people, I know no one, nobody who has not carried baggage because of that struggle. And that is what we are here today to lay this out. Um, God, I was praying about this and just saying, God, um, how, do we, how do we paint this picture? And um, I just, I very, I very clearly heard, <laughs> heard the Lord say boundaries. Um, there's, there's so many, there's, the Bible is very clear about boundaries in the Bible. Um, I just said that. Very clear about boundaries. Um, anywhere from from talking about where to lay the boundary markers on property um, in in the old old times of the Bible, um, all the way to him talking about um, how he created the world. Um, Psalm thirty three seven says he assigned the sea its boundaries and locked the oceans in vast reservoirs. Um, Psalm seventy four seventeen says you set the boundaries of the earth. 
You made both summer and winter. And I love that one because it's speaking both of boundaries and of seasons. Because um, you made both summer and winter, which means, yes, there is a season where you will get to enjoy these amazing things that God um, God has created us for, but he set the boundaries, right? Um, one of my very, very, very favorite verses is Psalm 16, um, 6. And um, it says, I'm going to read a few verses here. I'm going to go through like verse 11. It says, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me even at night. My heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. That literally jumped out to me yesterday when I was reading that. My body will also rest secure because his boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. And when we recognize that it's a pleasant boundary, it's meant to keep us safe. Um, Our bodies will rest secure in that. Um, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Um, you guys, God created boundaries to keep us safe. Have you ever, um, been to the ocean, um, in a season that was not meant to swim in the ocean, you get there and you're so excited and you're like, yeah, I'm going to swim in the ocean, but there's a red flag. Have you guys ever been to the ocean when there's a red flag? Usually the red, red flag indicates danger, right? And it indicates, um, we've been several times when it's, when it's like riptides, there's, God put the ocean in boundaries, but there are seasons when he says, no, do not go out into that because there's a riptide. There's a current that can take you out and it, it can wreak havoc on your life. So it can cause you to lose um, orientation. It can cause you to, to wonder where the heck you are. I don't know if you've ever been pulled out in a riptide. I don't think I have. Maybe minor, minor. Minor. <laughs> um, but, but from what I have heard from people who have said they've been pulled out in riptides, they actually lose sight of the shore. They come up for air and they can't, they don't know which way is left, right. They don't know where they're supposed to be going. And so God puts boundaries. He puts those red flags that says danger, 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 you guys. And so that's just my little, my little intro to yeah, that. And I, which is amazing. That is so good because the context of boundaries and the context of seasons, like you just look around in nature and you can see this, the very same theme. God is consistent. Like we, one thing that, that our, our culture, not even modern day, like it's always been that way where there is, a, there is a world culture, and I've talked about this before in different contexts, there is a kingdom culture, and the two are at odds against each other. Yeah. Because one culture is the way that God designed things, and he designed them that way so that the life that his creation would live within that is the best life possible. Right, that's the so why. That's the why, to yeah. flourish. And then the other side says, why are you telling me what I can't do? You're just trying to withhold pleasure. You're trying to withhold freedom. You're trying to withhold, it's, it's about, you know, we're like, well, you can't put these rules and regulations on me because I'm my own person. And God's over here saying, that's not the point. Right. You're missing it. It's about seasons because there will come a time 
where we've lived and operated in something over here that wasn't the right time, wasn't the right way, wasn't the right season. And when the season does come, the fulfillment and the joy and the, the flourishing and the pleasure is not there because it was spent in the wrong season. Wow. So in the good. wrong place so and at the wrong time. So now one thing I want to hit, this is in Romans 8, chapter 1. This is so powerful. This is Paul talking to the, to the church in Rome, but also to the, the entire church, us as well. And he goes, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to yes. Christ Jesus. I have heard this topic preached and taught on so many times where we might as well have just made everybody line up who's ever messed up in any of this and just smack him in the face and then tell him to go home. And that's just, that's not the way to do it. It's not the way to do that. So here's the thing. We read this verse. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So don't condemn me. Don't make. Listen, if you are not in Christ Jesus, you live in condemnation. That's right. You have to be in Christ. You have to have a Christ-centered life to then be able to experience the freedom of not being judged and held guilty for what you have done. So when you are in Christ, because of what Jesus did on the cross and the blood of, and the sacrifice, and he gave his own life, and he didn't just die, but he rose from the dead to, to conquer death, hell, and the grave, that victory gives us victory to no longer be condemned for what we have done, but it gives us the ability to turn our life around, stop going in the direction that we've been going, choose life, and begin to follow Jesus in the opposite direction. So... So now that we've kind of kind of prefaced it with with uh, you know just the why and the and the grace component, you know we are a church. Our mission statement says that we're here to bring God's love and grace into everyday conversations. Right. right. And so that includes stuff like this. We're not here to bring. Hey, if you screwed this up, we're going to do an altar call. Get on your knees. You better weep and wail and mourn before the Lord. <laughs> um, so weird. And uh, I think using this. The word wail. I think this conversation needs. In our culture, in our day, um, it needs more love and grace. It does. It needs people to say, that's okay. That's okay, but let me, let me show you a better way. Let me show you a way that will bring fulfillment to your life. Let me show you a way that will bring purpose to your life. And so that's, that's what we want. That's what we're doing. That's what we want. And, so, and there's, there's a couple of Proverbs, another place in the Bible where it says that, uh, that every way seems right uh, in the beginning, but the Lord weighs the heart. Or we can make our steps, but God is the one that, that chooses the direction. Or things seem right to us, but in the end, they lead to death. Right. And so if, 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 if culture... Uh, if our world culture around us is what is defining what you choose is right and wrong, or there is no right and wrong, there's just do. If that's how we are making our choices about life and how we're moving forward and trying to discover who we are in God, then we're off on the wrong side. Because even though it may seem right, even though there's enough right. arguments and, and whatever to, to make the argument for that it's right or it's okay, and even if it's not all right, it's all right, because we're all not all right, but we're all right. Even if we are able to agree with that, the Lord says in the end it can still lead to death. That's right. And so I want to put you, this is God saying, God wants to put you in a position where the life that you're living, the relationships that you're having are not leading to brokenness. They're not leading to hurt. They're not leading to the wrong direction. They're not leading to what God didn't intend, but they're leading you to the life that he created you to live. And there is nothing more fulfilling than tapping into that life. Can somebody say amen? So for really quick. Can we, are we going to, we can take a few extra minutes on this. Is that okay, you guys? We, I, I don't want to cut this one short at all, so yeah. we're going to take a few extra minutes yeah. on this. So, uh, so with that, with that framework laid, you know, first of all, we just want to kind of go into it because there are certain things that we could debate and try to tiptoe in that the Bible is, is very black and white about. And, uh, and so for me, that gives me peace in my own life because I don't, I don't have to wonder like, well, God, what did you really mean? He's like, 
That's what I meant. You're like, oh, did you mean? He's like, that's what I said. Okay, so we're not going to argue with that. But first of all, biblical standards on sexuality and sex are not adjustable based on our desires or preferences. Uh, this is the word of God. Uh, the Bible standards, biblical standards on sexuality and sex do not evolve with culture. They don't evolve with time or preference. We need to understand that God does not change. Uh, we do. Right. All, all the time. Even if you don't like change, you still change. You secretly like change, it's okay. Uh, but God does not change because the way that he set things up from the beginning wasn't because he is an archaic God that only existed in archaic ways and tried to you know, uh, hold, withhold from people. No, he knows exactly what he's doing. God's not stuck in time like we are. He sees the end from the beginning. And so he puts everything together throughout his creation to complement and to work together to get to the end goal of what he's looking for in civilization, in humanity, in relationship to the point where we're able to be fully reunited with God in heaven. And so the word of God is not archaic. It's not old-fashioned standard. Uh, these are eternal standards created by God to create pleasure, to create satisfaction. Come on, that's where you need to be saying things like amen. Come on, men, you should be saying preach that. Uh, healthy intimacy within healthy God-ordained marriages. So we're going to lay out some biblical standards here that in all reality, they may be in opposition to where you've been. They may be in opposition to what you've practiced before. They may be in opposition maybe even to where you are now. But please, again, to try to not overstate this enough, like we are trying to present this, uh, the love and the grace of God into this conversation. Because yeah. this yeah. isn't about us telling you what you're doing wrong or, or, this, or this is what's messed up with our world. Our world's so messed up. No, man, our world is awesome. And God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Yep. And so that's why we have this word so that we don't have to wonder, man, what, what, is, what, is, what are we supposed to do, man? Everything, this is how it's supposed to be. This is what the schools are telling our kids they're supposed to be doing. This is what universities are preaching to our, our, our college students what they should be doing. Mm -hmm. This is what media and entertainment is, is telling what, what marriage and couples should be like. What do we do? And God says, man, just turn to my word because I've laid this out for you. Do you want me to read that verse? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Um, 1 Corinthians 6, 16 through 20 in the message um, says this so beautifully. There's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. As written in scripture, the two become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. The kind of sex that can never become one. There is a sense in which sexual sins are different than all others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies. So big. These bodies that were made for God-given and God-modeled love for becoming one with another, or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. My gosh, that's so good. God owns the whole works, so let people see God in and through your body. That's so good. So powerful. So it's like, so you're telling me that God redeemed me so that I could also have great sex. And yeah, that's what we're trying to say. And y'all are so quiet I know, this it's morning. Just, I'm telling you. Like, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's a, it's a. Sorry, like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm to do. I'm in church and we're talking church. about sex. Is this even okay? So throw up a Hail Mary. I don't know what to do. Anyway, <laughs> sex is created by God. Sex is created to be amazing. Sex is created for marriage between a man and woman. Sex does not equal love. That is so huge. Sex does not equal love. It is sex will enhance 
but it's never, well, because I love this person, then I just feel like I need to show them. And the way that I show them that I love them is by having sex with them or having sexual intimacy in some way, shape, or them. No, it, it's not. As a matter of fact, if you're not married, the best way that you can show love to somebody is to treat them the way that God would have you treat them in that season, and especially for you men, is to lead the example in your relationship and let the woman that you love and you do want to marry and possibly maybe haven't figured that out. If you haven't figured that out yet, you shouldn't be messing with her anyway because she has a heart that God created to so be good. given to the man that God wants to bring to her. And if you're messing with that heart before it's time, boy, I'm telling you, fellas, you better be ready to answer to God because he made that woman in his image very special with gifting, with calling, with power, with anointing. And when we begin to mess with hearts, when it's not our authority, when it's not our permission, when it's not our time, we begin to touch something that we were never meant to touch, again, in the boundaries and in the season. Somebody come on, say, come let's on. Go. So good. Sex is not for self. If you are, we're just, can I just throw this out there? If you are not married, stop having sex. If, oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> if, if you are not married, stop pursuing sexual intimacy and exploration with anyone. Sexual chemistry is a myth. There is no reason for you to think, well, if I'm, you know, like you said earlier, if I want to, you know, um, drive this car, I need to see how it rides. No, no, you don't. No, you don't, because you don't need chemistry with somebody. If you love someone, and you, again, are living a Christ-centered life and pursuing someone in that context, when you marry that person, the chemistry will show up because your desire will not be for how is this working out for me. Your desire is going to be how am I serving and so taking good. care of this person so that good. I would give my life for. Yep. That's the chemistry that you want. Sexual chemistry is not a real thing. So don't think that, well, I, you know, we got to see if we're compatible. If you're compatible, start with, does that person seek first the kingdom of God? So do they good. love Jesus more than I do? Are they passionate? Are they willing to, to, to hold a biblical standard now because God intended what, what we want to do? God intended that to be off the charts when we're married. Right. <clears throat> anyway, uh, relationships built on sexuality before the right time will suffer later uh, in intimacy when it's needed to strengthen a marriage. Wow, so good. It's so, let, me, let me tell you, this is not, I used to say, this is just a little theory I have, but I feel very strongly about this, that when it comes to that first season of being a married couple, um, it's hard enough by itself. Right. Just like, you know, you, you're in love, you get married, you go on your honeymoon, you wake up the next day, and she's, you know, putting toothpaste on a toothbrush. And I'm just thinking to myself, why? And she doesn't do this. It's just an analogy. Why in the name of the Lord would you squeeze the toothpaste from the middle of the tube when you should be squeezing it from the bottom of the tube? I'm pretty sure I do that, though. Do you do that? Maybe we're 18 years in. I probably just don't even see it anymore. But like, I think because I squeeze it to the top to make sure you didn't see. Oh, see, it's because she loves me. Anyway, or, or let's, <laughs> let's get real. Let's get real. No human in their right mind would put toilet paper to roll under. Oh my God. And we have a standing gotta, ovation. Can somebody write down this day? Somebody write down this day that I got somebody to stand and it was over toilet paper. It was toilet over toilet paper. paper. But it's powerful. Yes. Thank you. It's a power thing. Toilet paper rolls over the top. That's how, it's, that's how God intended it to be. Anyway. <laughs> Now that's super silly, but in the context of like learning how to be married to somebody and doing life together with somebody, usually it ends up being the really little stupid things that you're right, like, right. did I make the right choice? Oh my <laughs> gosh, I don't know. And, but here's the cool thing. When you are newlyweds, none of that matters. Why? Because you can go have sex and everything's better. I told you. 
I told you it was gonna get real. But here's the thing, now think about this. Think about this, guys. Now, God created uh, sex not to just be a tool that you can put up with your spouse in the early years. It's so much bigger than that. But when you are dealing with the early stages and the complications of like, man, you know, we, uh, this, this is challenging, I love this person. I thought she could cook. She actually can cook really good. I thought she could cook. I thought he could cook. I thought she was going to do this. I thought he could do that. I thought I could change them, and, but now they're trying to change me. And, and, uh, but, and when you don't have really, and I'll use the term supernatural component of, of early stage, early marriage sex to kind of help with all of that, it really makes that initial season of marriage very much more challenging. Right, and it goes back to the way God created us. It goes back to what I explained at the beginning, all the chemical changes that are happening in your brain, all of the things that God created to, to glue you to your partner. Does that make sense? It's like, it is like the sex bond glues you to your partner. And so if you try to, and, and this is where, where, this is a great analogy. If you try to rip that apart and you're not, it's just casual or whatever, and you're just, you're just doing it for fun. If you try to rip that apart, it leaves, it leaves wood on each piece. And that, that, piece of, that piece of wood will walk around with that piece of that other wood. Does that even make sense? Is it coming out wrong? Um, you can't tear it apart without damage. That's what I'm trying to say. You cannot tear it apart without damage. Which is good. Yeah. It's really good. And so I, I think that um, there, when, when you're dating, so this goes back to the equally yoked, unequally yoked, dating, you know, what does that mean? How should I do it? When you are dating somebody or pursuing a relationship with somebody and you're doing it with purity, you're doing it with a commitment to, you know, I'm going to do this God's way and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard. If you're a normal human being, it will be a challenge. Yep. And we'll talk about that in a second too because there are other things that will help you during that season so that you can be strong and so that you can, all those, all those things. But when you, are, when you do it the right way, you're actually depositing, um, you're actually making a deposit into an intimacy account. And the more that you do it the right way, the more that you honor, the more that you, uh, you know, build, build uh, that relationship with the person that you are feeling like, man, I feel like I might love this person. I feel like I might want to spend the rest of my life with this person. You are building in this intimacy account that when you do get married, you will want to take withdrawals from. But the problem is, is that when you take withdrawals sexually before it's time, when there comes the time to need to be able to draw on that account, you might find it empty. And you'll, you'll, you'll find a hole where what was meant to be something that would bring you together and help you through the hard times all of a sudden doesn't, doesn't necessarily now have that special component that it used to. So and so now here's the, here's the beauty, though. You're like, when, whenever we talk about anything, any topic whatsoever that has to do with life and spirituality, there's always going to be the human component that we've messed it up. Even if you have walked a pure life, you've still, done it, you've still messed up in your mind, right? Jesus says, you know, the law said that if you committed adultery, then you were guilty of sin. But I tell you, if you've even looked at a woman lustfully, then you've committed adultery in your heart. And it's like, well, crap, now Dang. we're... No, we're all screwed. You know, it's like, what do we do here? It's like, so it puts us all in the same playing field yep. that no matter the details of your story, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory right. of God. Right. And so therefore, so what's the solution? The solution is when you are, when you are in Christ, you are made a brand new creation. Come on. You're not a so jacked good. up duct tape creation. You are a new creation. 
God made you new. You're not who you used to be. Your old track record is no longer counted against you. And so even if you are married to the person that maybe y'all didn't have this type of God-honoring relationship when y'all dated and, and you, either you knew and you didn't care or you didn't know and that's just what you did, it's okay. You don't have to be like, well, now I'm a sinner. Now, I mean, we, we messed up when we were dating. We're married. We should probably break up because this wasn't a God-ordained no. thing. No, 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 not at all. That's the beauty of the grace and the love of God is that everything that God made to be amazing, the enemy tries to use right. it to destroy you. I don't know if you realize this or not, we live in the only state in our entire country that has legalized prostitution. And so even in that context, there's still a spirit even over our state that is continually trying to rob what God created to be amazing and put money on it and take the, the, the sanctity away, especially from the ladies that are involved in that industry. Come on, God is looking to restore something. So you are not damaged goods because of your past. God makes all things new Amen. and creates opportunity and testimony and, and relationship. You don't have to have a second-rate marriage or a second-rate relationship now because of what you did before. You still have the opportunity and the love and the grace of God to have all the goods the way that God created it with no uh, limitation, with no hesitation, and all the benefits. So good. Amen. Amen. All right, so last couple of minutes here. So how, how do you date? How do you date? Frequently. <laughs> um, so we wrote down just a couple of, these are just tangible things, okay? And if you're married, this isn't where you tune out, especially men. Come on. You need to be dating your spouse. That wasn't, yep, come on. <laughs> and also, guys, you see, I just, I just threw the ladies a bone, and they jumped on it. They clapped. They said amen. They said thank, <laughs> thank you. you. So, so when we do that for you guys, that's your opportunity to be like, yeah. I mean, you did it with the toilet paper. You had it with the toilet paper. That's pretty much the equivalent for us guys. It's all good. Anyway, all right, so we, we got some practical things here like how do I date the right way? There is a right way to date. Okay, anyway, all right. Number one, pray. Yeah. Number one, pray. It should kind of always start with that. Uh, should I ask this person on a date? Would you talk to Jesus about it? Seriously. He has thoughts. He has. And he wants you to know about it. Yep. Um, you want to do number two? We'll just alternate. We'll go back. We'll alternate. Through. Keep sexuality off the table from the beginning. It is not time. If it's not negotiable, it won't be a problem. Right. You know, if you, there, today before you came to church, you did not sit, well, maybe some of you did, but you did not sit on the side of your bed and debate, I don't know if I should put on pants today or not. Right. <laughs> and I just, maybe I just pants. I feel like it. The shirt's uncomfortable. I'm just going to go shirtless to church. I know this is getting a really weird analogy. <laughs> so, but here's the deal. Funny. It is, you've already made up your mind that you're not going to go out into society without putting your clothes on. You don't, you don't have to think twice about that. Now, if you make the same decision about some of these things, that I'm going to live sexually pure. If I've messed it up before, you know what? God's going to forgive me. Absolutely. God forgive me. He's going to restore me. And now I get to get up and, and follow Jesus again. Yep. And so if you make up your mind before that it's not even going to be an option, then it removes. It doesn't take the temptation all the way away because we're, we're human beings. And God created us with that thought just for the right time and place. But it does bring it lower in the chart of, man, is this, this could be a problem. If you make up the decision and you have accountability around yep. you, which may be another point that I'm just jumping ahead on, uh, people that love you, people that are going to encourage you, people that are going to help you make wise decisions, not control you and not all that type of stuff, but help you make wise decisions, it really does make a difference. Number three. <laughs> Number three. Um, and so here's the deal. Now, on the flip side of this, there's a whole bunch of uh, people I've talked to in the Christian world. Man, I just, 
I don't believe in dating. I don't believe in all this. I'm not going to do anything. God's just going to, I'm just going to show up to a church one day. I'm going to decorate it. And God's going to bring the person I'm going to marry to show up that day. Don't do that. No. Uh, that's not going to work. <laughs> and you might not like who shows up because you didn't get a chance to get to know that person. So meet people. Build relationships. Yeah. Dinner in a movie doesn't have to mean that it leads to something. Be in groups of friends where you're like, you know, I like that person. That person's hanging out over there. I think I might go to that crew. Um, or I think I might, you know, go hang out over there at that restaurant where that, you know, just do something to get out and meet people. Uh, because if you're not meeting people, then, you know, you have a lot less chances to meet that someone. Say no to Netflix and chill. <laughs> guys, guys, if you're not married, if you're married, enjoy Netflix and chilling, guys. Um, net <laughs> so if you don't, this, this is a, a pop culture terminology and I, I literally was so naive to it for, for quite some time. And um, when I found out what it really meant, I was like, dang, no wonder all the kids are saying it nowadays. <laughs> um, but say no to that unless you're married. Okay, anyway. Um, yeah, say no unless you're married, then say yes to it. <clears throat> Lots of good shows out there. Number five, get to know the person. And eventually, get to know their family. It matters. It is true it that matters. who it you matters. marry, it you matters. marry the family. It matters. And, and I will say, not because they're here and, <laughs> and enduring this talk today. My poor parents. Um, but that <laughs> I, I, I was I've been incredibly blessed to marry not just her, but to marry into the family that I married into. I love my in-laws. They're incredible people. And, uh, and so it matters. So yeah. when you're looking at who you're going to be, I just love that person so much. I don't care that her mama is crazy. No, you, you will, will in a care. couple of years. You will care. Because guess what? That's what she's going to turn into. And so you Ooh. better do some calculations. Stop. So by the grace of God, the Lord can heal and redeem <laughs> all things. It's not true. Oh, God. God love, is good. I love my mother-in-law. <clears throat> What's the next one? Um, Number six. Um, oh, Number six. Oh, this is, this is such a good one. Um, have real face-to-face -face verbal, verbal conversations. Um, stop getting to know each other through text. Stop doing that. That is not realistic because you can't hear tone. You can't, you can't see. You're like, oh, what do they really mean by that? Have real face-to-face -face verbal conversations with somebody you're trying to get to know. Guys, grow, grow some strength. <laughs> and <laughs> some strength. Grow some, whoo, that was close. Grow some strength and go talk wow, to her. Wow, we are we are just going going there today. I'm having fun. This might be engaged session one, also, by the way. <laughs> Guys, go talk to her. Don't text her. Because here's the thing: if you are weak enough to feel like you have to text her first, then you're also gonna have. Well, I feel I feel courageous now. You know, I'm, I might you might start saying some stuff that you wish you hadn't said. And it's going to ruin Ooh. things before they get there. So put your phone down unless you're going to actually dial a physical phone number and have a talk that leads to a face-to-face, -face, buy her dinner, talk to her, ask her about her parents and her family. And next one is number, <laughs> this is a good one. Oh, is this me? Okay. I'm losing track, guys. Use wisdom and include voices of wisdom and godly experience in your relationships. Have accountability. Have pastors that are speaking in your life. Don't go to people that, have, uh, have, that, that are living in a messed up relationship themselves. You might be able to learn what not to do, but in my experience, it's better to learn from a good example than it is to try to reverse that. And so have people in your life be like, hey, you look like you got a good marriage. Like, um, I'm interested in this person. Like, what do I do? Like, how's, how does this work? We and had those people in our lives. We did. And they, 
rescued us more than once. Absolutely. Amazing, amazing people that are still very close friends of ours. That's right. Um, know where you are weak and avoid those temptations. Um, guys, we all know where we're weak. We all know where we have struggled. We all yeah. know where we have fallen. Avoid those temptations and those situations. Second Timothy 2.22 says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Um, and have real-time accountability in place while you're on a date and after your date. Somebody who knows who you are um, and, and when you're supposed to be home so that you can check in and be like, how'd it go? You know, and that, that can sound like I'm not like 12 years old and you're, like, right. you're my parents. But like, yeah, but how bad do you want to do this the right way? Like, and how bad do you want the best marriage ever? Right. How and if bad? You, sorry. No, I don't, you're probably going to say, I was sorry. running out of how, how bad. How bad? And if you know where you're weak, <laughs> that person that you're going to text when you're done also knows where you're weak because they're your accountability, right? And so you're going to text them and be like, this, 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 and this happened. And that person's going to say the real question and be like, but did this happen? And you can be like, no, yeah, no, it didn't. <laughs> Absolutely. It's good. And here are the last two. I'm just going to say these two real quick together. They're not really need to be taught on. It's just good statements. Number nine, don't shop where the merchandise is low quality. Just kind of speaks for That's itself. That's real. That's real. And, uh, and here's the thing. Like, like I, know, I know we got some folks in here, like, you've got some crazy stories about where you met your spouse. And, and they're great stories now because you, you're in a place where God has redeemed right, some stuff. Right. But that's not gonna, that should not be the normal mode of operation for those who are looking to follow, have Christ-centered relationships, all that type of stuff. Number 10, don't advertise what's not for sale. So good. Woo. So good. And we so could good. continue forever and ever and ever. So here's our, here's our last scripture here. And, uh, and then we're done. And we, we've gone, I've gone way over. But way over. Ho hopefully this is worth it. You know, we, uh, usually we try to like, we stay on point, stay on point. But like, we need to get through this today. So here's the thing. And then we're going to pray for you guys. We're going to get, uh, Josh going to get up here on the keys. And uh, so Hebrews, Hebrews 13, 4. Hebrews 13, 4, listen to this. And this is kind of like, where we need to bring everything back to. It has to do whether it's dating, whether it's uh, whether you've been single for a long time, and you're like, God, I, I want to get married. Like, I, I want to be there. Or you've, maybe you're in a place now where, like, you're, you're married or things haven't worked out the way that you would hope that they had worked out. Listen, that, that doesn't define who you are. Failed relationships does not define you. Right. It doesn't limit you. It doesn't put you in the timeout box of relationships from now on. Like, let God into the equation because he will not just fix but completely redeem and completely turn everything upside down that the enemy meant to destroy you. God says, no, I can still, I can still, I've still got some plans for you. You're not, you're not washed out and you're not used up. This is going to be amazing. Hebrews 13, 4, in the message it says this, honor marriage and guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between wife and husband. God draws a firm line against casual and illicit sex. So we just got to understand, guys, come on, God created marriage. God created sex. Sex and marriage with a man and a woman who live Christ-centered life is meant to be creative and passionate uh, journey of exploration between the two of you. It's special. It's powerful. It's private. Um, sex and marriage should never involve other people, whether that's in the form of pornography or whether that's an actual other person, because it still does exactly what Kara was talking about. It still creates those responses uh, in your body and your soul and your spirit. It's meant for the privacy of the two of you to be amazing.
Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.